Good morning. Memorial Day weekend, 2016. Well, today I want to talk to you about reset. Another word that you know something about, reboot. You know what I say, reboot the computer? How many of you do that often? Reboot your phone, reboot your devices, reset. We all need a reset, don't we? This week, Chris and I reset the room. Did you notice? We wanted dynamics of this room. This is a large room, and when you have people traveling and gone, you want to pull everybody in because I don't know what it is. I spit, but not that far, and nobody sits on the front row. But it just kind of forces y'all, and y'all sound like a choir, so we're grateful. So we reset the room. We reset life. We reset direction. And this morning, I'm just wondering, man, what's the direction of your life? And we're going to look at a character that I've always been intrigued. Some people go, well, it's just a Jewish fable. It's just an allegory. It's just this. It's just that. No, it's God's Word. It's a literal story that our own Messiah, Jesus Christ, referred to Jonah. How many of you believe this morning that Jonah actually is a real character that was swallowed by a big fish? I do. The scripture, you can even go and Google and look at different stories and you can see some of these big whales that uh, one I was learning about, it, it was such a, a monster fish, it doesn't have teeth and it just kind of envelops, it just kind of takes in whole animals or whole people without ever cutting them up. You're like, oh, gross. So it's very obvious. I mean, God's clear that, man, Jonah got taken in by a big fish. Some would say this is a whale of a story. Okay, well, good. You're laughing more than I thought. I thought I'd be like, don't use that one again. You know, here's the thing. When we used to have multiple services here, I, I would preach in the first service. In the second service, I could correct the things that didn't go good. I'm sorry. You're the only guinea pigs I've got. I mean, you're the only believers I've got now that I speak to. So uh, if you want this, the sermons to get better, let's grow, grow, grow and get a second service and you come to the second one. Anyway, just a thought. In Jonah, you can write it down, there's only 48 verses not a very long book it's divided into four chapters he is the first foreign missionary in the scriptures Jonah he's not a very good missionary but he had a well of a revival the book of Jonah is this book that relates the the word of the Lord to us and it's so powerful in that how it displays truth to us okay Jeremy come quickly this has not happened in about a year or two, and my device just jammed quickly. The brother is dying in Jesus. Yeah, I know. Reset. Yeah, yeah, hey, hey, what, what did I do? What? This is crazy. Modern technology. Oh, that's hilarious. I hate when I have to use that as an illustration. It just froze. Does it do that sometimes? Apple man? Apple wizard? Yeah, okay. Hey, guys, don't feel bad. You're not speaking. I'm the one that just died in front of you, okay? Tell you a quick story. Is it, is it coming back on? If it does, it's going to be a really short sermon today. Here's the deal. <laughs> Francis Chan, the great communicator, <laughs> he got up one time and spoke, and he had about five or 10,000 people in the room, and his Apple iPad died. It was a really short message that day. And how many of you have been praying for that? No, don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. Is it, is it coming back today? 
this is okay we're done here okay well you know it's i'll tell you what i'll do i'll just kind of change gears as my technical assistant helps me here uh this this is unbelievable okay all right well it happens sometimes okay uh at least I'm not doing a funeral with it. Can you imagine how awkward that would be? We were doing your funeral, and like Pastor Keith had his notes there, and they just left. And uh, okay, I'm deodorant's not working right now. Okay, here we go. All right, let's let's look here at this uh, this outline. Will you do that with me? I'm, I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm just going to kind of give it to you and hope. It, <laughs> I'm seeing the Apple icon, and it's not thrilling me over there. Okay, let, let's just give you some points here. Number one, go to that box, or, or it should be a box here. Jonah on the run. Just for I'm going to give you kind of a quick outline of this thing. And so Jonah is on the run from God. It's never a good thing to run from God, but that's kind of the first blank. Jonah on the run. The second one is, then Jonah gets, because of his disobedience, he gets lost at sea. So Jonah's on the run. Jonah gets lost at sea. And could you, thank you so much. Y'all put your hands together and thank God for Jeremy. I don't know what just happened, but uh, anyway. How many of you believe in hell and believe in demons and devil? I do too. I think he just showed up. Okay, but then Jesus' angel came. Thank you, Jeremy. The book of Jonah relates to the word of the Lord. The, the city here is the, Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a city that prevails with great wickedness. It rivals the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's, it's not a very good place. There's some 200-foot walls around part of Nineveh with 15-foot towers that people would guard and all this activity. It's located like 220 miles northwest of Baghdad. Does that give you an idea of where Nineveh is? And it's to these people that God loves and he wants redemption. He wants his love to come to them. But, uh, but there's this problem. Uh, there's this prophet, and his name is Jonah, and he doesn't want to obey. And I, I heard this thing, and this will be my second joke for the day. It might be my last one. Jonah was a prophet, but he acted like a non-prophet because he did not want to deliver the word of the Lord, the word of judgment. So Jonah is the first non-prophet organization in the Scripture. Okay, that wasn't as good as the first joke. Okay, I thought, I thought it was funny, but I guess you have to live in my world. I think it's funny. Okay, so, so Jonah, the, the word of the Lord comes to him. So look there in Jonah 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He, he just runs. He just hauls it. He, he, he gets away. Now, God's got a direction. He's got a people that he wants Jonah, a destination for him to go and to proclaim the good news. But he doesn't go. Today, where you and I live, I live by this now. I grew up on maps and atlases, but now I don't really pay attention to them. I think I've got one in my car. I know teenagers are like, what is an atlas? I listen to Siri. Siri is this annoying voice on my phone. But how I love Siri. How many of you love Siri? How many of you pray for Siri? You probably should. Okay. But Siri gives direction. And when Siri tells me to go in a certain direction, I follow it. And about 99.9% of the time, I get to my destination. Well, Jonah doesn't have Siri, but 
Jonah has the Lord. He has God telling him what to do. And Jonah, the Bible just says clearly, quickly, Jonah runs. He just doesn't want to be obedient to the Lord, so he doesn't ask for direction. Nineveh, let me say it to you like this. I, I was just thinking about my friends down there that are getting ready to move to Las Vegas. Now, Las Vegas is known for a lot of sin, city, and it's also known for phenomenal light and, and shows and palaces. And there's also a Christian community there in Las Vegas where the light of the gospel is gone. But also Las Vegas is known for these other things. So Nineveh is like Las Vegas pumped up a thousand times. There's a lot of wickedness in this particular city that God says, this Jonah is where I want you to go. This is where I want you to proclaim my love. This is where I want you to go and share. So there in the outline, Jonah is simply on the run. And there's an entire metropolis, a group of people that are awaiting, that they don't know they're awaiting. They need to hear this message of judgment. They need to bow in repentance. And they need to plead for the mercy of God, that God would do something. So the Jonah book it's not so much about surprises, it's about mercy. It's about the folly of our hearts running from God. Now, before we judge uh, our friend Jonah harshly, let's think about how we run from God. And that's where it gets personal. We've run from God. God has asked us to do something, and we go, God, i got a better way. Not now, maybe in the future. And we run, so... I said last weekend, we're all kind of prone to wonder, so I just want you to think about that. But Jonah is, is guilty of just going AWOL. He just doesn't comply with the Lord, just like us. He, uh, in Jeremiah 17, 9, if you want to write it down, it's just a simple verse from the prophet Jeremiah. He says, the heart is deceitful above all else, and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? He's talking about your heart and mine. It's wicked. And it needs the, the word consistently to transform it. It needs the body of believers. It needs the Holy Spirit to work to keep me from going down a path that would cause me to go away. Uh, here's this rebellion in the heart uh, of Jonah. It's a case study, if you like case studies. Jonah's basically a case study of being a rebel. Huh. And some of you are like, man, I want to be a rebel. Well, read Jonah huh. and see how this goes for him. I mean, he gets eaten by a big fish. And I mean, it's a pretty dramatic story, but... I'm thinking that he gets on this ship with these sailors of Joppa, and they don't even know God Jehovah. They worship these false gods, and yet they're smart enough to realize that something's not good here. The sea is a great uh, craziness, and, and they're going to lose their life. So the, the second point is, so Jonah's on the run. Jonah is lost at sea. This big story of there and of, about uh, how Jonah... I would just, if you're thinking about Jonah, think about Jonah is extremely stubborn. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to raise it in your heart, possibly. Are you known to be a person that is stubborn? Has somebody ever told you, you're extremely stubborn and prideful and hard-hearted, and you're not sensitive to the Lord sometimes? And that's who Jonah finds himself in this story, is that the he thinks he can somehow avoid the sovereign Lord. <laughs> That's foolish. Now, we look at it today and we go, oh, Jonah, why didn't you comply with the Father? But let's look at our lives. How many times have we been asked to do something and we just go, Lord, I'm going to avoid you. I'm going to run. I'm going to go as far away from you in the opposite direction of obedience as I can. And God's not pleased and we miss out 
So what happens? He, he, he finally gets thrown overboard, and uh, the fish catches a man. I, I thought the man was supposed to catch the fish. But in this story, the fish actually catches the man. Don't you love these stories that they show sometimes on TV where these people are out, these big anglers, and they're deep-sea fishing, and this monster fish gets caught. But really what gets caught is the people, and it comes into the boat with them. I mean, I, I'm always kind of just like jumping, like, man, this is like weird. Like the fish is like bigger than the boat. Or these, or these shark fishers. I, can I just say, they're crazy. They're cray-cray. I mean, trying to catch these big gnarly sharks i mean i'm just thinking okay you do that for fun okay so there's no delight here in the heart of jonah because he doesn't want to please the lord he 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 falls desperately away he feels the bars of hopeless hopelessness look at it verse 12 he he tells the guys hey look i'm causing all this the sea needs to calm down pick me up and throw me into the sea i mean doesn't it wouldn't that be fun going on a fishing trip with your buds and your bud goes hey just pick me up and throw me in the sea I don't think so. I mean, nobody wants to be thrown overboard, but he realizes this storm is a result of me. You know what it teaches me? Our disobedience, write this down. This is good. This will help you. Our disobedience affects other people. You're saying, well, no, no. It's my sin against God. But we sin and we live in community. And when we sin, many times it affects our families. It affects people close to us. It affects our church. A lot of churches have been devastated because of the sin of the leadership or whatever. It just sin just works that way. It has that uh, power to explode, to expand, and, and hope gets gone. So he, and, and he moves on down, verse 14. And then they cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life because we threw him overboard. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O oh Lord, have done as you please. And then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. There's always this greatly feared, but now they greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord. They made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Who was also in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights? The Lord Jesus. Here it is, just showing us a story of the Old Testament, this three days and three nights that he spends in there. Gastric juices, I bet his skin got colored. I mean, I've done a lot of study on this in the last 30-something years about how horrible. Can you imagine what Jonah looked like when he got regurgitated from the great fish? You think his hair was all matted and gross and his skin was bleached out? You're going, you're thinking way too much. Well, it was, it was pretty putrid, and yet he thought he was going to die in there, but he didn't die. He actually finds God in the fish, and you're saying, well, man, this is a great story. I'm going to read to my kids tonight. Well, maybe not. I mean, you don't want your kids to have nightmares, do you? I mean, I think I'd find another story to read tonight. Maybe read it in the afternoon, okay, right before nap time. Okay, all right, here we go. In just the right time, at just the right place, God gives the great sea creature the urge to regurgitate. It, it, I just like to say that word, regurgitate. I could say Ralph or vomit or whatever you prefer, but he regurgitates this man, because God's got something for Jonah to do, just like he's got something for us to do. And, and yet it, it seems like a really strange story, but the thing that I want you to see in the next blank is God, Jonah, gets a second chance. And this, I could preach on for days and I won't because it's Memorial Day and I want us to celebrate it, but I love a God of redemption that he can redeem our worst mistakes and our worst rebellion, and he gives a second chance. And does anybody else want to say an amen right there? 
He's a God of the second chance. You're looking at a brother that got a second chance. But I'm looking at people that get a second chance. And our God lets us begin again when we do it his way, when we repent, when we turn from sin and say, Lord, I don't want to sin against you. Matter of fact, if you look there in your outline, it's in red. The word is metanoia. Metanoia. It's the, it's the biblical word. It's the Greek word for repentance. And it means a change of mind, a change in inner man, a change in the heart. We all need metanoia. We, we need repentance. God, I need the repentance suggests that my behavior, my attitude is less than what you desire. And I, I know that change must come. So, Lord, come and do something in me. Lord, repentance, it, it's, it's our forefathers called it evangelical, evangelical grace. They thought it was the grace of God that caused people to repent, to turn, and to go another way. When I came to Christ, when you came to Christ, if you're considering Christ, it always starts in repentance. That this is the, the bulk of my message today. Repentance, resetting, rebooting, redirecting. Lord, it's your way. Repentance is necessary. Repentance is necessary in relationships. Sometimes you get crossways with another person. You need to repent. Sometimes you, you many times we get crossways, we get sidetracked, we sin against God, we need to repent. We have so many illustrations that we can share about repentance. And God says, I want you to get redirected. It's, here it is. I like this. I'm an apple guy. <laughs> I was till today. <laughs> I still am. Jeremy, I just want to thank you. I owe you lunch after this. You saved your pastor, father, friend today, okay? Here's the deal. In, in apple world, I, I like it. I, I use this a lot because I, I tend to mess up when I'm typing and I'm working on stuff. And in that, in the Mac, you hit command Z, and what does it do? Huh? It undoes. It redoes things. It's like you were in this, you messed up, but you wanted to get what you had before. You hit command Z, and wow, it's back. I love redo. And that's what repentance is. I have messed up. And I hit command Z, and it's new again. You're going, that is like the weirdest illustration you've ever used. Well, you get on your computer this week and you mess up. It hit command Z if you're in Apple, and you'll, your life will be changed. And you'll send an extra check next week. Okay, that's just free, okay? Reset, buddy. Here it is. Repentance. Reset is a way of rewind. You, do you have DVR at home, possibly? And you're watching a program, and sometimes you don't catch something, or you miss a word, and Donna will look at me, she goes, what did I just say? I go, I don't know. Rewind. We rewind, and we rewind, I get to go, oh, I get to start again. I get to, oh, oh, now that makes sense. Or, or you're hurrying through something, and you come back in the room, and you hit rewind. It's just a great feature. Anyway, repentance. It implies that a radical change occurs. That's what reset is, radical grace working in our hearts for the glory of Christ. Jesus said it this way one day, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn around. The kingdom of God is among us. Repent, and you shall see the kingdom of God. 
Repentance is not saying, God, I'm so sorry for my sins. He knows that. Repentance is a transformative, transformative, that's the word, transformative. Repentance is a transformative experience. It's a transformative work in our hearts. And I find as a Christ follower, as a pastor, that I need repentance all the time to undo things that I do wrongly to make things right. And God gives grace for repentance. It's turning from darkness to light. It's starting again. Leaving behind, adopting the agenda of Jesus. Lord, I was going my way, and that wasn't working for me. Now I choose your direction, your way, your agenda, and I'll follow Christ. And in that, there's beauty. There's, um, here it is. Let's just be real this weekend. In this room, there are people that are dealing with darkness. And the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you if you'll listen to him and steady, consistently spend time in his word as we talked about the other day. And it could be some dark area that you're dabbling in. It could be a promiscuous promiscuity. It could be pornography. It could be greed. It could be pride. It could be selfish ambition. It could be whatever. And Jesus is just touching this morning saying, gently, I want you to repent. I, I want you to change. I, I want you to turn back to me because I love you and I, I want to give you another chance. Hey, when your kid messes up, you go, kid, you blew it. Not being my kid anymore. Change your name. Bye. You don't tell your kids that. You're a jerk, okay? I said it from this platform. You're a jerk. Okay. But your kid messes up. You address the situation. You put them in timeout if they're little. I mean, can you imagine as adults if we had timeout? You know how awesome that would be? No, it would not be in timeout half the time. Okay, anyway. But that's not funny. But you, but you, but you redo. You, you rechange. You, you invite them back in. You, you give your kids another chance to make it right because you love them. And our Heavenly Father just says, I am madly in love with you. And when you blow it, my grace can cover you if you're willing to repent. If you're willing to turn and trust me, I can make it new. I, I love that about Jesus. I'm glad that, uh, it, look at it, it's, it's in the message truth. Repentance, look there on your outline with me. Repentance is not an emotion. Although people want to make repentance an emotion, it's not. It's not feeling sorry for your sins. It is a decision. Circle the word decision right now in your notes. Repentance is a decision. It is deciding that you have been wrong and supposing that you can manage your own life and deciding to follow Jesus. Somewhere we got the idea that we can manage, can be the CEO of our lives. And that's just foolishness. And Jesus says, if you'll reorientate your life around me and follow me, you'll know the grace of my Father and I'll speak to your heart and you can make it right. So what I learned from this story of Jonah is God stops at nothing. God is the initiator. God is the pursuer. And in the belly of the well, he's still pursuing and Jonah realizes that he's messed up. And, he, and, and there, if you look in the second chapter, and I have to move along, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, and said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Really? Do you think the brother was in distress inside a fish? 
And you can see part of the Psalms. You, can, you know Jonah was a religious guy. Jonah knew the scriptures that were available at that time. And you might say, well, I know the scriptures, but he didn't obey them. And that's where we get in trouble. And then you read verses 1 through 9. You, just, you, see, this, uh, you see this great prayer of Jonah. Another time, Jesus is asleep. And they're out on the sea. Jesus loves sea stories. And they're out on the sea, and they're asleep, and the, the wind and the storm comes up. And like, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care, Jesus, if we drown? And he, he wakes up, and he speaks. Peace, quiet, be still. And the sea calms down. Like, who is this man? He's the Lord. And I think about us here. Jesus is awakened by these companions, but he doesn't remain silent. He does something. Well, the Ninevites here, they, they need God. They don't know they need God, but they're, they're a messed up generation. You can do some history studying on them. Look at chapter 3. Jonah now goes to Nineveh, and then the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it, the message that I give you. So here it is, fill in the blank. Jonah is now commissioned. He's commissioned to do something. Next weekend, we're commissioning our Mexico team that Blake will be leading to Mexico. They will build our eighth house in Mexico. Bless the name of Jesus. Amen? They will build an eighth home for a Mexican family that is being discipled in the gospel of Christ, and they will have a wonderful home as a result of this church and this team that will be here next Sunday morning. Please come. Let's pray over them and send them. If you've given, you've helped support this by your tithes and offerings. If you're friends with them, then you encourage them. But give them your prayers. So Jonah is commissioned. Verses 1 and 2. So, and then in verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. He went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city, a visit that required three days. It took a, three days to get there. It was a long ways. But I want you to see this. There's an eight-word message. Write it down, eight words. That's all Jonah has to say. And then they have 40 days to respond. Look at it. 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. If y'all do not repent and turn to God, you will be destroyed. And yet they, and, and, and see, here's the problem you forget. Jonah hates Nineveh. That's why he ran. He despised these people. He's afraid that if he preaches, if he is a prophet and does what God tells him, that they will change. <laughs> like, what's your problem, Jonah? That would be like us not wanting some people, group, tribe, or nation getting the gospel. It would be sin, and God's upset with that. Like, no. And matter of fact, you just write down Nahum chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Nahum 3, 1 through 4. I don't have time to read all these verses, but you see what he talks about here. So who can blame Jonah for not wanting to go to these people? These people, the atrocities, the sin, the wickedness of Nineveh. I mean, when you read the history of the Ninevites, you're like, I don't want to go to them. Man, they're like cruel. It's like going to ISIS and proclaiming the gospel. Like, no. And yet God has that form. So this eight-word message comes, and God wants to have mercy on Nineveh. But what I know is, and if you've read the story, it's so cool. You move down through that, and he goes, and he makes it known. In verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. Jeremiah, we love Jeremiah. Jeremiah preached and preached for years and never had a convert. Jonah, this wicked prophet, half-baked, doesn't do his job, 
finally goes to Nineveh in the entire city, 120,000 repent. It is the greatest revival ever. Billy Graham has never held a revival, and he's the greatest evangelist on the face of the earth. God has used that man in more arenas across the globe, but Jonah proclaims, and 120,000 people repent. Man, that is, that is awesome. Can you imagine somebody coming to Montgomery and giving a message, and 120,000 of our people turn to Christ? You'd be like, man. But what if they're like, I ain't going to Montgomery. Montgomery's pitiful, man. <laughs> I don't like that place. I ain't going to Montgomery. I ain't going to Montgomery. They, they, you know, they, they can just burn. What? What? We need, we need you. you. You just have to kind of put it in the, of where we are. But they respond to the message in, in chapter 3, verse 5, the KJV. It just says, so the people of Nineveh, they believe God. They just believe God. And I think, man, God wants you and I to do that this morning, just to believe him, to respond in faith. And God has compassion. And then the last thing, I want you to see this. But what does Jonah do in chapter 4? Jonah expresses disgust. He is ticked off. Like, what? You're a prophet. That means you deliver the word of God, and sometimes it's judgment. And you don't want to do that? And the people turn to God? You should celebrate the grace, the goodness of God. No, I'm ticked off. Chapter 4, Jonah's anger and the Lord's compassion. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish, and I knew that you are gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. This is pitiful. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Wish I could have been there watching this. Verse 5. Jonah went out, sat down in a place east of the city. You know what? Jonah right there, God wants to tell Jonah, Jonah, I want you to learn how to love the unlovable. But Jonah doesn't want to hear that. He just wants to have a pity party. And God causes a, a plant to grow up and produces shade, and, and he begins to give praise and thanks to God the first time in the entire book. And then God takes away the thing, and he, he gets all up by the worm, and he's all upset. But here's what I know. Write this down. What God loves, God rescues. What God loves, he rescues. He loved Nineveh. He loved Ninevites. And he rescued them. God loves you. He loves me. And he rescues us if we're willing to repent, to reset. So here's this starting over, resetting, undoing the past, beginning again, making application. The team's going to come on this. It's a long obedience in the same direction, says Eugene Peterson. I love that. Obedience is just, it, it's just that, that long complying, that long obedience in the direction of God. Lord, I'll go after your heart. But most of us know the way to Tarshish. We know the way to escape. Now, I want you to listen intently there are things that you and i have created in our lives that we escape shopping we escape maybe what we and i'm not saying shopping is inherently wicked it's not but we can escape to do that we can um we can go to work we can become consumed workaholics and there i won't have to face some of the realities that god wants to do in my heart so i'll just work 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 
or I'll just be with people so much that I'll never deal with what God wants to do on the inside. Some people become isolationists because they don't want to deal with a body of faith and God wants to speak to their heart. Tarshish is all around us. And God doesn't want us to escape. He wants us to run to Him. He wants us to get rid of our distractions. He wants to, us to embrace the darkness. So I want you to think about this. This summer, will you embrace the community? And some of it's the dark community of our city, our region, the people that move. Would you embrace the darkness with the light of Christ? And invite them to Christ, to, to trust Him. I don't know if this message speaks to you as much as it does me, but I'm just thinking a lot about, man, I, I, I got a need for reset. I need to reset. Like uh, the, the little thing that I tell people all the time, and today I blew it with my iPad because it froze, or I don't know what happened to it. The demon showed up or something. But uh, on my phone, you, you, know, you know when your phone is just like exhausted? It's like, <laughs> it, it doesn't talk to me. I'm just making a point. And your phone can't handle any more data, and you just cut your phone off. And then you turn it back on, and it'll start doing videos and take pictures. It just needs a reset. Our hearts are like that. Our hearts are fatigued, and they're, they're tired, and they've grown distant, and they get distracted. And this morning, it could be that the Lord's saying, you've been distracted long enough. You came to this service. This pastor laid his heart out about Jonah, and I love you. I'm calling you to myself. Would you reset this morning? And maybe you just, you just have uh, some hang-ups and there's groups of people you don't like and Jesus says, I want you to love them. I just want to go ahead and give you all a little tip. I'm going to do a series in a few weeks. I'm starting. I'm very excited. About, I'm calling it Hot Topics. Next weekend we'll show the intro video. And I'm going to tackle some hard topics like uh, abortion, homosexuality, sexuality, racism, all these kind of topics. And I just want you to know, you don't need your kids in here during the Hot Topic series. And the church said, huh? I want you to put them in the environments that we create just for you. Because I want to give you God's word. That's my job. The Lord is here. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is so good to be in your house with your kids today. And we love you this Memorial Day, Day weekend. And God, I thank you for the story of Jonah it seems so far-fetched and so crazy and wild, but then, God, you're the God of creativity and you're the God of power, so why wouldn't you put in some incredible stories in your book that is living and breathing? So, God, thank you for the story of Jonah. Thank you, God, that your redemption is great and that you love the unlovable. And, Lord, thank you that you even use Jonah and you'll use me and you'll use my friends if we're willing to look to you. Speak to our hearts today, God. As Hannah leads us in this great song, Oceans, God, move in our hearts today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.